One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters, we watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 12 and Libby and Nate are nine. And I have two kids. Jay is seven and Kenny, by the time you listen to this episode, will be four. I remember when Kenny wasn't even born. I know. We've been doing this podcast for a while, turns out. His whole life. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. What a stunning document. And as we've established on many previous episodes, our kids are pretty stinking adorable. And just to get it out of the way up front, we like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers... We are moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to? So Libby learned how to braid. I think she taught herself because I've tried and I'm it didn't go that well, but she <laughs> figured it out on her own. So she's been making um little friendship bracelets, which is very nice. Aww. And um she's working on her braiding technique and she braided the dog's tail. That's which sweet. Is very funny um and so that's been adorable to watch partly because I remember like loving to braid when I was a kid and Mm -hmm. like braiding my friend's hair who had really long hair and Barbie hair and anything I could get my hands on to braid I did Mm -hmm. my little pony manes and tails Mm, for sure yes (laughs) (laughs) how about your kids well, we took a trip to Universal Studios last weekend, as you yeah. know, Deborah. And I know theme parks are not everybody's jam, and that's fine. And I know that J.K. Rowling is super problematic right now. But watching my little munchkins wave their magic wands at charmingly reproduced British looking storefronts and seeing magical things happen and how excited they got when they were doing it was just one of the most fun things I've experienced in a long time. Nice. That sounds really fun. It was very, very sweet. So Harry Potter World, is that like a separate amusement park or is it in Universal Studios? It is in Universal Studios. Okay, so Ticket to Universal gets you the whole deal, including Harry Potter. Yes, technically Universal has two different parks and there's a part of Harry Potter land in both of those parks. So if you want to see all of Harry Potter World, you have to have a ticket that gets you into both parks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah they That's know their cool. stuff they're they're good cool at this. universal studios mm-hmm. <laughs> i can't wait to talk about screen time in the news today okay i'm actually gonna pull up this article because i kind of feel like the first sentence encapsulates it really well and i don't even mm-hmm. know that i need to do much summarizing but so deborah lives in minnesota for those of you who are new to the pod 
So I thought we would talk about this new Minnesota law that I saw in a news article on their Fox 9 affiliate. Uh, The headline was, New Minnesota Screen Time Law Limits Use in Kindergarten and Preschool Classrooms. And it was published on July 14th. The article was written by Courtney Godfrey. And let me just read you this first sentence. Nope, I for sure don't need all of that. What are you doing, Fox 9 affiliate? Please load. Ah, geez. (laughs) All right, so I guess I'm going to try to summarize it because my computer is being funky. So this new law says that children in kindergarten and pre-K cannot use screens without adult supervision. Does that pretty much sum it up? Pretty much. I mean, it says teacher engagement, mm-hmm. which define engagement, I guess. Right. My question is, is this a law that even needed to exist? What were the set of circumstances in which a pre-K teacher was like handing kids iPads? I did a little bit more reading about this because this bill... Like the news around this bill came out right around the same time that Minnesota, like quote unquote, accidentally legalized edible adult use cannabis, Uh which was like a tremendously huge story as you can imagine. So I don't, I didn't pay very much attention at all to this uh, screen time law, but it sounds like there was like a parent who was kind of worked up about studies that show screen time can be damaging fair and then a legislator named kelly morrison wrote this bill and it looks like the bill's been around for a while like i there were articles dating back to 2020 and 2021 about it and this legislator is a physician maybe she's a pediatrician i don't know she's a democrat So it seems like a good idea, like let's limit screen time in classrooms for little kids because little kids shouldn't have too much screen time. Pretty much everybody agrees. Fine. But the Minnesota legislature has a very long history of mandating things that should happen in schools and in classrooms and then not funding them. Awesome. So this bill says that preschool kindergarten programs cannot let a child use a screen without teacher engagement, but it gives no alternative. It's not like paying for more books for the classroom or paying for an educational assistant who can be there when maybe the teacher has to do a little prep that they didn't get done on their prep hour, or maybe they need new like science equipment or art supplies. No, it doesn't fund anything. It's like teachers, you can't do this. And that's it. There's like a little bit that the bill goes on and that like, there's supposed to be a statewide public educational campaign to educate parents on the effects of screen use on kids. And there's a little bit of language in this bill about if they have to match every public dollar with a private dollar, which I'm not versed enough in how bills are authored to know what that's all about. But I do know that this bill doesn't provide any additional funding or guidance 
for teachers. And I don't think that teachers are being lazy and giving kids screens just because they don't want to work hard, which is what this bill implies. So it's just like, I'm going to make a bad analogy here. It's like filling your cupboards with junk food and then telling kids like your own kids saying don't eat any chips or candy and then not giving them like healthy alternatives the fruit bowl is empty there's no funding for any alternatives i don't know so this goes back to the minneapolis uh teachers strike that happened this past year there's like a huge 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 mandate for schools to provide special special education programs, which the schools do, but then the Minnesota legislature doesn't fund it fully. So then school budgets are not balanced and then they have to cut other really important programs because they are mandated by law to provide all these special education fundings. I could go on. This is a screen time podcast. Personally, what I know about this is remember, like, this is like five years ago, but Libby and Nate were in a like a church basement preschool program and Mm -hmm. I shortened their day up because at the end of the morning, the kids were watching like a Veggie Tales video. And I was like, well, if the kids are going to be watching a video, I'll do that at home for free and pay a preschool program to do that. And the teachers were not being lazy. They were getting around like the way that um, classroom teacher ratio, you know, like you have to have so many education professionals per number of kids of a certain age, depending on the activity they're doing. And they were just like short staffed Mm -hmm. and that's how they were getting around it. So I find this kind of like overly paternalistic and not going far enough. I'm sure like everybody in the legislature who voted for this felt good about themselves for limiting screen time, but I think it's kind of a BS law. Yeah, it was funny just upon reading this really short article, the focus in the article seemed to be on like giving kids devices like iPads, iPhones, and screens of that sort. But to your knowledge, it's up to and including like putting on an educational video and not like actively discussing it with the kids afterwards is that yeah it's just so open-ended like what does engagement from a teacher mean like does this mean a teacher can be doing a lesson about math and then if they show a quick video from say number blocks that illustrates like counting by twos or whatever what does engagement mean right does it mean they talk about the video after? Like, I'm sure any decent teacher or even like any sort of below average teacher would know that they should talk about the video if it's part of a lesson, right? I know I've complained to you about this, Deborah. I don't know that I've complained about it on the podcast, but at the end of the school day for my pre-K kiddo, when they're like getting the kids organized, getting their bags all together, getting people ready to go out to car line, They occasionally, perhaps more than occasionally, I'm not sure I want to know, watch a Blippi video. You know how I feel about Blippi. I hate him. But like, Mm -hmm. I understand that it's the end of the school day. No useful instruction is going on. Like, they really need to get the logistics moving to like get the kids back to their parents. 
would this law prohibit something as simple as that? I don't know. It just seems so kind of open-ended and for lack of a better word right now, just kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Would a certain kind of person maybe call this a little bit of virtue signaling? Yes, I think I think this person would. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I read an article a long time ago that kind of helped define my parenting philosophy, which is try to say yes as much as you can. Like, let's think of the things we can do instead of just talking about the things we can't. Give the schools more money. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, on that happy note, do we have any follow up? from our last episode about Minecraft videos. I guess this is just sort of like a summer is, uh, like the end of summer is in sight, like commentary on there are just so many movies and I haven't seen hardly any at all. Okay, today we're recording, it's early August. My family is gonna watch Lightyear because it just came out on Disney Plus. But that's like the only summer blockbuster we've, made it to I think that's been in theaters yeah I think this is the first year in the past few years that a lot of those blockbusters have opened solely in theaters so we are experiencing a little bit of the delay if we want to watch them at home but I did want to mention this fascinating article that I read because they are doing the full court press for this new Apple TV Plus movie coming out called Luck. Have you heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay, so it's a movie coming out on Apple TV Plus produced by the company Skydance. And their head of animation is John Lasseter. Does that name ring a bell to you? Not at all. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Lasseter was the head of Pixar. And he was ousted in 2019 in a Me Too moment. So this is his first big feature back being touted as the genius behind all previous Pixar hits. I haven't been able to read a full review yet because it's not out, but early buzz seems to be very positive and a lot of media outlets are comparing it directly to Pixar's latest release, Buzz, Buzzyear? I definitely was just going to say Buzzyear. To Pixar's latest release, Lightyear, which was obviously a box office disappointment for Disney and Pixar. So they're saying, you know, you took the talent out of Pixar in a quote-unquote panic about Me Too, and now he's going to do all these wonderful creative things over at Skydance and Apple. I don't know how to feel. We talk a lot and we have had really insightful conversations with guests about how to bring up problematic content issues with our kids as we're watching things. But I have not even given any thought of needing to provide context to the people behind the movie when I'm watching something with my kids. Right. I mean, kids don't have any idea well and I guess I've talked to my kids about how movies and cartoons are scripted and Minecraft videos on YouTube are not scripted and <laughs> let's watch something created by professionals please so I guess I I guess we have talked a little bit just about the fact that there are people 
doing really great professional work, but we haven't talked about like the moral character of those people at all ever. (laughs) Does it give you any pause about potentially seeing this new movie? Do you think you'll watch it with your kids? I need to find out more about this Me Too story. It sounds, it sounds juicy. Yeah. I mean, I won't take too much time away to talk more about it, but it's an interesting conundrum because everything I have read so far has led me to believe that luck will truly be the better movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Certainly compared to Lightyear. And it's unfortunate that we have to consider these outside factors as well. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned JK Rowling earlier when you were talking about Universal Studios and like, she, it is really terrible, but I guess I've just compartmentalized her IRL turf rhetoric and just completely segmented the Harry Potter universe away from that. Yeah. For better or for worse. I don't know. Stay tuned to the space listeners. I'm sure we will be talking about Lightyear and or luck or possibly both in the future as we're able to catch up on them. And uh, we'll have some more to say about John Lasseter and the complicated feelings he engenders. (laughs) Should we move on to today's topic? Let's talk zombies free. This is our first trilogy. Call us whatever you want, but you can't say we're not completists. (laughs) We we reviewed the first Zombies movie in episode 32 and its sequel, Zombies 2, in episode 77. And Zombies 3, you know we had to watch it. It came out July 15th this year, 2022, on Disney+. It's rated G. We love a G. Uh, It's one hour, 28 minutes. We love an under 90 minute movie. (laughs) And this is directed once again by Paul Hain, director of many Disney original movies, as well as the first two zombies. And it was written by the same team as the original and its sequel, David Light and Joseph Rasso. So we're reintroduced to the two main characters, cheerleader Addison and her zombie boyfriend said, as they plot a way for Zed to get admitted as the first monster ever to attend Mountain College. But their plans are derailed by an alien invasion. Uh, You may remember, listeners, Zombies 2 involved a werewolf invasion. So the monster quotient just keeps going higher and higher. So just as in previous installments, after some panic and general hijinks, the folks in Seabrook realized they could accept new and different people into their town. Why did we pick it? (laughs) Katie would just not let me skip a zombies movie. Nope, for sure not. For sure not. Let's just jump right in. As with most sequels, and it turns out, wait, what is the word for the third installment? Triquels? No, um... Okay, as with most sequels and continuations of existing properties, it's hard to consider this one on its own merits, separate from how we felt about the previous two installments, but let's give it a try. Did you like this movie? I did. I liked all the zombies movies, and this didn't feel terribly different or better or worse than the first two. What did you think? Wow, I thought it was significantly worse than the first two. And I know I just said I was supposed to be considering it on its own merits. And look, 
I feel like it's been a while since we reviewed something that required this much of a curve. Because we give a lot of latitude to shows for being made for kids and not for us. Mm-hmm. This is the first time in a while that I really felt, oh, geez, I need to uh, I need to cut it some slack because of its intended audience and not expect to like it as much, which if you had asked me if I thought I was going to feel that way about the third installment of a franchise that I've really enjoyed, I would never have expected it. Shoot. So with that in mind, let's let the comparisons fly. You said this felt very apiece with the other two. Do you have any thoughts about how it stacked up? Well, and now I'm still doubting myself, um, but I haven't watched those first two probably since we reviewed them. Um, So I'm just going on memories. I mean, I think the characters are very likable and even though they're monsters they're very relatable and it's kind of like a I mean it's not scary monsters like there are a few scary parts but like they're funny and I enjoy Zed he's kind of got like a Jim the actor who plays him kind of has like a Jim Carrey like energy Mm -hmm. I I don't know I guess I felt like the characters were familiar the setting was familiar um I do want to talk about the look of the aliens, um, but I was intrigued and interested in the introduction of a new species. Is that the right word, I, I guess? guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved the simplicity of the story in the first Zombies movie, mm-hmm. and it was very much written to reflect the situation of segregation in the United States. The zombies were obviously supposed to be the African-American community. And it was about, you know, this couple coming together and learning that they could love one another. And as a result, encouraging society to accept zombies as fully human seems like the wrong way to put it, but full members of society. So fast forward to the second movie. Ultimately, the lesson and spoilers, I'm sorry, guys, if you haven't kept as close tabs on this franchise as we have. Fast forward and the ultimate lesson of the second movie is that the zombies don't have to fully assimilate to be members of the community. They can still be zombies. They don't have to pretend to be humans. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was another great lesson that I liked more than, let's say, the A-plot involving the werewolves and Addison's quest to find, quote-unquote, where she belongs. Mm -hmm. So then we get to this third movie and the issues with zombies and with integration are pushed even further back Because remember, now we're trying to get Zed into Mountain College to be the very first ever monster admitted Mm -hmm. into college. That could be a movie on its own. Mm -hmm. But no, now we're still kind of concerned with this question that Addison had started bringing up about where she belongs. So we need to devote a lot of time to that. And then, oh, on top of that, aliens. Mm -hmm. It It just felt like with each successive installment, they've been pushing my favorite part farther back. Sure, 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 sure. I kind of forgot about that original first one. Did you think it was weird that Zed then, like he he thought the only way he could get into college was on his football prowess? Like he didn't even apply. 
Yeah. Until the very last minute, like he talked and talked and talked about how important it was that he get in. And he like procrastinated his application till the very end. That tells me you didn't really want to get in said. Yeah. Or maybe he was like self-sabotaging because he didn't think he was a good enough football player or something. He just wanted to be with his girlfriend. He didn't care about going to Mountain College. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was my overall feeling about the third installment. I just think it's been diminishing returns but that's pretty common for a trilogy right yeah I think it's pretty unusual for like the third in a trilogy to be better or as good as the first I guess like you're you're talking me out of my initial reaction to the movie it is interesting that it's like the same director and writers because usually it seems like when a television show like jumps the shark they've got like the original writers are long gone working on other cool new projects and the thread has been lost a little bit it's interesting these are the same folks and I don't even necessarily feel like they lost the thread so much as they picked up too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on for sure. With that in mind, do you want to talk about the aliens? <laughs> yeah. What did you so think? In, well, in the second movie, the werewolves were really, really cool. Hair, makeup, punk rock yeah, werewolves, costumes, music, everything about them is pretty awesome. You have on the document a question. Aliens are just blue teenagers? But are they even blue? They just have blue hair. Yeah, they have blue hair and like decorative scales on their faces sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was like fine enough to for me to suspend my disbelief, but also maybe not the most inventive costuming decisions. Agreed. I didn't find the aliens to be that compelling at all and it was kind of a shame because they did introduce a character that used non-binary pronouns and you could tell that this was important to them that they Mm -hmm. were doing this which I applaud but I just don't think there was enough there there for that to be as important as they wanted it to be does Mm -hmm. that make any sense Mm -hmm. the aliens themselves just weren't compelling enough yeah they all sort of had a flat affect which is probably the way they were supposed to play those characters but then that made the whole issue of addison's quest and like finding a place that she truly belongs with the aliens to be that much less interesting as well right side note having nothing to do with the aliens when the movie starts and we see zed trying to get into mountain college he's a football player and apparently now zombies can just like fully become zombies without wanting to eat people on the football field and that's just fine now yeah because at the in the first movie like when he wasn't when the bracelet wasn't controlling his emotions like that was a seriously dangerous situation but technology must have advanced they've just chosen to ignore so much or ignore everything and just pretend that all the problems related to zombies are now fixed and we don't care about them anymore in favor of these boring blue aliens (laughs) did you like any of the aliens in particular you had one that was snotty one that was competitive, and one that was non-binary. And those were their defining characteristics. I thought the character of Aspen was sort of funny, because, and that's the non-binary one, because 
they're trying to figure out like sort of how to operate in this human world and they want like a relationship, but they're sort of like whoever is available. Right. <laughs> <laughs> trying sort of like a, like an AI type robot trying to navigate and figure out human emotions. Yeah. There were definitely some cute laughs to be played for because it's true Aspen just kept falling for everyone (laughs) (laughs) and then falling out of love just as abruptly that was that was a cute touch a character from the original movie Zoe who was originally part of like the core trio of zombies only appeared in this movie via tablet and in cutaway scenes do you think this was filmed under really strict COVID precautions and she just maybe got COVID and they couldn't have her with everyone else? I don't know. It seems like a lot to orchestrate, but I guess it's Hollywood and they are probably good at coming up in a pinch with something that works. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I hate to say it, but they had sidelined zombies so much that I'm sure they could have just been like, oh, she has an internship. She's not here. And like continued on with the movie. Well, and I probably wouldn't have missed her yeah. if she hadn't been. She wasn't like a super memorable character. Sorry, Zoe. Right. What did you think of Zed and Addison's relationship and how it has grown and changed or not over the course of three movies? Okay. This I thought was one thing this movie did really well because they're like high school sweethearts been together forever planning to go to college together but like you can tell that they're like we're gonna be together forever and like there's that hesitation (laughs) when they're like this is the beginning of our adult lives and we're doing it together like they're not quite sure which is very apropos I think I mean what I can imagine being in that type of situation when you're like 18 like you probably you know like we all knew couples who were high school sweethearts who it didn't work out and for some people it did but like when the aliens came to the city of Seabrook like they brought like this electrical current and that prevented Addison and Zed from having like any physical touching like if they were to physically touch the shock would activate set or inactivate his bracelet and he would like zombie out and it was very I don't know foreshadowing like you knew that (laughs) (laughs) this wasn't wasn't gonna be a lifelong relationship and also in a movie full of totally forgettable songs I thought the one cute song was their duet that they did that was essentially like everything's gonna be fine no problem and it was just the dangerous one like the dangerous one yeah (laughs) I liked that one too (laughs) what is up with Bucky Bucky, if you remember from the first movie, was Addison's cousin. He was like the head cheerleader. And I felt like he was, that role was already kind of overacted. And this time around, he really, really overdid it. In the first movie, Bucky was definitely a primary villain because he was like your head zombie racist. Mm-hmm. In the second movie, he was a foil for Zed in like the quest to become class president, but like his role had become progressively less necessary. And like I said, we just had so many balls in the air in this movie. We could have, you know, looked in the mirror and removed one or two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you notice that RuPaul voiced the alien spaceship 
who they referred to as mothership would not have noticed that if you hadn't pointed it out that would have been lost on me i like that casting choice though well like i said they really wanted the presence of this non-binary character to be very important in -hmm. capital letters so they were going (laughs) to do all the stunt casting they could to like highlight that they were taking this position it's a position i applaud Mm-hmm. I think RuPaul was probably underused. Yeah, I would have liked to see RuPaul like as the head alien or something. Yeah, in yeah, some in sort person. of fabulous alien outfit. Right, right. I mentioned the cute song where they were running through perilous situations singing about how their relationship was going to be fine. What were your thoughts on the music in this version? I thought that the music... So they do this thing where they have like a really cool bass line. But other than that, I thought the songs were kind of forgettable. And I can't hum a tune from any of the previous zombies movies. Whereas I can. My kids really like the music from the previous two installments. So I was looking forward to having something new to put on our zombies playlist. And man, just none of these songs did it. I don't know. So what songs do you like from the other Zombies 1 or Zombies 2? Do you like those soundtracks better? There is the uh, love song between Zed and Addison from the first movie called Someday that they do a ballad version of and like a hip hop dancey version of that are both cute. There is the opening song from the first movie called My Year, which is about like how it's going to be the best year and it's before Zed and Addison know one another so they're both singing about how the year is going to be good from either one's perspective Uh, and there's a cute one during the cheer auditions too called Fired Up I don't know I like songs to listen to with my kids that are like let's get excited for the day and I feel like Zombies 1 had quite a few of those Zombies 2 has this one that Kenny really likes called Call to the Wild that the werewolves sing that he really likes and has a pretty catchy melody yeah I think those are probably my top four Zombies songs but I, I there are others that I've liked as well Mm -hmm. let's talk about the dancing okay you remember when we reviewed sneakerella and i was like oh they kept cutting away from the dance sequences they did it in this one too which i feel like in previous zombies movies they didn't and it was one of the awesome things that you got to see a lot of the dancing with very few cuts and now they're just another musical cutting up their dance sequences willy-nilly. I have been consistently disappointed with like the length of songs and the length of the choreographed dances lately. I know you didn't like the Cinderella Amazon one, but <laughs> I want more than 90 seconds of a song. Mm-hmm. Can I make an overall observation just to uh, see if you maybe got this vibe too? Please. So we talked a little bit about how maybe they had a lot of COVID restrictions based on when they filmed this. And that's totally understandable. But did you get the sense at all that they were just using their first take on a lot of things? I'm not enough of a dance like aficionado to re- to be able to discern that. You certainly are qualified to <laughs> catch that. There was some spectacular choreography specifically in the first movie and none of the sequences felt nearly as tight in this Mm -hmm. one and maybe that's why they needed to do a million cuts because it just didn't look as good and I wonder if they were just under time constraints or the amount of time that people could be without masks I'm not really sure how things worked in those early days of Mm -hmm. recording in these wonderful times 
Mm-hmm. I just felt like it could have been better. I think that's the whole theme of this review right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, since you say I'm qualified to talk about the dance, tell me what you thought about the writing. Okay, just one quibble. <laughs> the aliens call themselves aliens. <laughs> That's true. And like alien means person from somewhere else. <laughs> so if you're that person, you're not an alien to you. This is a little bit like who's on first type of go around with the language. But I found that something that I, I would have marked up if I had had a chance to edit the script. Yeah. Well, and I already talked about Zed and his questionable motivation to get into college. And then the whole shoehorning in of a cheer competition. Like, it's okay to let the unnecessary things drop, especially if you are trying to introduce something big. Okay. And also, Addison, like, questioning her, like, identity and background. I don't, I haven't watched those first two movies in a while. So, like, was that a thing? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Let me just summarize it for you. In the first movie, the thing that was weird about Addison was that she had white hair and she could never tell anyone because that would make her a pariah in Seabrook. Mm-hmm. So that was her kind of silly concern in the first one. And then in the second one, the werewolves came along and she happened to look exactly like their mythical alpha. So she thought That's for right. a little okay. while that she was maybe a werewolf. Turned out not to be a werewolf, but at the end of the second movie, they teased an alien spaceship coming and like her hair glowed or something. It was clear that there was going to be an alien connection. Okay. Like I said, the Addison finding herself plot was not the more interesting thing to me Mm -hmm. and I don't think it was handled particularly well in this movie either (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just to bring things back to Sneakerella which is the last (laughs) Disney movie that we did review it was almost two hours long and we still both enjoyed it on the whole with all these plot threads going on in Zombies 3 is it possible that 90 minutes wasn't long enough Am I going against everything I believe right now? You're right. They did try to pack a lot in and then the choreography and the song numbers suffered for it. So I think they could have added 15, 20 minutes on and probably we wouldn't have complained about the length. Honestly, no, I'm going to be true to myself and to ourselves and say that no they should have cut out plot elements and unnecessary things before they made the movie longer. There. That's my stance. So before we move on to Evergreen, this thought just occurred to me. When we think in our minds about categories of monsters, zombies are surely monsters, werewolves are surely monsters. Are aliens really monsters? Wouldn't it have made more sense to go with like vampires, witches, that category of recognizable humanoid Mm -hmm. because when you ask just in general are aliens monsters it's clear that in some situations they are I mean look at the aliens franchise Mm -hmm. those are monsters Mm -hmm. but these blue-haired teenagers are demonstrably not Mm -hmm. so you're right I think I would have preferred a more earthly monster (laughs) so evergreen questions we were Able to compare the first zombies with Save the Last Dance and iZombie. Zombies 2 with the television show High Maintenance (laughs) and Being Human. What adult movie or show were you able to compare Zombies 3 with? The musical number that I said that I liked, the one from this movie, uh, where they were singing about how their relationship was totally fine while expressing the fact that they each had some pretty serious reservations. 
made me think of nothing so much as the famous slash perhaps infamous episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in which they did a musical and Xander and Anya had a whole like old Hollywood musical number about how they were nervous about getting married. So that is definitely what came to mind for me with that song for sure. How about you? I thought it was super convenient that the aliens in this movie spoke the same language as everybody in zebra (laughs) which made me not so much compare but contrast with the movie arrival with jeremy renner and amy adams where like the whole movie is like them trying to figure out the alien language which was a really good movie i liked that one a lot yeah thanks for reminding me of that one were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot just for a fun flashback for zombies we liked the casting duo Channing Tatum and Sutton Foster uh for zombies too we liked Zendaya Kristen Bell and Ashton Kutcher or Kate McKinnon and John Mulaney who would you cast in a grown-up version of zombies three I think those choices are all pretty solid I think they could all stand up to this wacky alien version of the plot yeah I don't know if I can think of anyone who I would like to see more how about you okay this is just sort of playing off like the the faded breakup the inevitable breakup we know is going to happen between Addison and Zed I would like to see (laughs) JLo and Ben Affleck play like first a young Addison and Zed going their separate ways (laughs) alien and zombie paths to the future and then reuniting like 20 years later respect to the concept but I don't think Ben Affleck could pull off Zed's charisma like that's Zed's (laughs) whole shtick is that he's like the most charismatic monster in existence that's why he can get into human college and Ben Affleck this would be a sad sad zombie yeah I mean I'm sorry Ben, but charisma is not a word I think of when I think about you. He was charismatic in Argo. Oh yeah, I did like that movie. Yeah. So was it better when we were kids? Since we're on the topic of Disney Channel original movies, although we don't call them Disney Channel original movies, so I guess just Disney original movies, one that I really super loved as a child and that is not available on streaming anywhere was called Perfect Harmony, and it took place in the let's just say early 60s uh, mm-hmm. in like a fancy pants southern prep school when I describe this plot you're going to be like yes yes I can see how Katie liked this yes yes <laughs> <laughs> so it was an elite boys prep school for choir like all the boys were part of a very mm, fancy choir okay. this is making sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but of course because it was the 60s and in the south everyone was white but then this one like the head boy who was the best soloist happened upon like a member of the janitorial staff playing his harmonica and like (laughs) fell in love with blues music and developed a friendship with the son of this janitor who was a little black boy and it turns out that the little black boy really loved this like classic Haydn choral music that the boys in the school were singing. And so they had one progressive professor that came down from the north and was like, well, why can't we have this really talented boy singing in our choir? Why does it matter that he's black? And everyone was like, harumph, harumph, harumph. And 
blah, blah, blah methods. In the end, he, he got to sing. Everything was great. And in our flourishing age of streaming, I remain very disappointed that I cannot watch this movie as an adult and discover that it's actually really bad because that's what happens with everything right. that we rewatch from our childhood. This reminded me of that a little bit. The dancing is better in this. I think pretty much everything else about the other one was better. So it was it was still okay when we were kids in this sense. I was trying to think of trilogies from when we were kids. Mm. I could think of Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of more of the things that I like. Right. I just think this was bad more. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, and I don't think it's going to be a rewatch for my kids either. How about you? I would not, but my kids were into it. I would watch it with them and I definitely want to listen to the soundtracks from the first two. So 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. My kids are of an age where it doesn't matter if there's too much going on with a plot because they're almost still too young to like follow a coherent movie length plot. So they weren't Mm -hmm. bothered by the number of balls that were in the air and Mm -hmm. they liked all the like funny asides that went nowhere. If you're looking at the zombies franchise, The plot is the simplest in the first, and that remains the one that I will share with my kids again. It'd be fun to rewatch these around Halloween time, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. What about for your kids? Did you watch this one with them? I watched it with Libby, who was sick. She liked it, and I had watched the first two without them, so... It was fun for them to watch the first two. I don't think Tony actually, Tony, now Tony's at an age where he's like, G, a G movie. They're definitely the classic uh, movies about teens that are actually for tweens. Right. I don't think it's actively bad for our kids. I mean, maybe like as an introduction to the casual use of non-binary gender pronouns Mm -hmm. the kids in the cast do it very smoothly no one complains about it so in that sense yeah and it's just kind of a no big deal yeah we rated the original zombies four zombies two got a 3.75 i think that's an average of the two of us what would you rate this i don't want to give it too low because it still is a genre that i really like i'll give it a three to 3.5 okay i was gonna say 3.5 All right. I feel good about that. (laughs) Thank you, listeners, for checking out this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com and find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at myscreentime2. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV we watch with our kids because we have to, and sometimes because we like to. Bye! Bye!